Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 113 for October 11th, 2007, Roaming Authentication. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds on Site. Looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds on Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. It's time for Security Now. Still the best science and technology podcast in the world <laughs> until this time next year, I guess. Steve Gibson, thanks hello. To our, thanks to our listeners who, who helped us become the uh, People's Choice Best Science and Technology Podcast. I was really fun, in fact. Uh, was it two weeks ago, I guess, that I was out in Ontario? Or no, it was a week ago. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was really great. I, it's fun, Leo, to just sort of hang out with all of the podcast people and it is the it's, that's it. the best part of, of pma yeah just hang yeah. out and and so so tell me what happened so there was there's the awards party well yeah there, there was the awards party at the end of the first day and i have to say i was flattered by the fact that um my award uh our award i should say was at the end of sort of a long list probably there were about 20 of them for for it's sort of i think it was probably in the same order as they showed up on the on the web page so you know we were the the, we're the sort last of side, <laughs> we were very down at the bottom of the page and we were nice. similarly on the program we were down toward the end well i had never heard of most of the podcasts that won and I have a feeling that most people had not heard of <laughs> oh, most of the yeah. other podcasts. There's a lot I mean, of podcasts. There's a lot of podcasts, and, you know, they sort of tend to be obscure. And, you know, I think, you know, the Twit family is a strong movement in Podland. And so here were all the people after the, ex- after the exhibits and the, and the various tracks and sessions and conferences and educational things shut down. All the people sort of, you know, hanging around the steam trays, uh, <laughs> you know, gathering for this event. And um, when the uh, science and technology category was announced and Security Now was mentioned, um, there was a room full of applause. Oh, and, yeah. People know and, you. Sure. Well, well, I mean, people know us and yeah. they know this podcast yeah. to – Frankly, to I think a much greater degree because of the penetration and the fact that we've we're in our third year and you know blah blah blah. Right. But anyway, it was it was it was really neat. Oh, so really I was good. I was glad to do it. I don't know though. Um, next year it's going to be in Las Vegas, and that's yeah. I heard they're moving it. Yeah, and I you know I'll be interested to see or or to hear whether there's a, a strong attendance there. Uh, um, I think there'll probably be a bigger attendance. I mean, it's not as easy for you, but it's a lot easier for m- most people. Getting, yeah, getting to Ontario is not a easy thing to do. Well, and of course, Las Vegas um, uh, subsidizes their airfare so right. that the flights Cheap into airfare. Las Vegas are That's very right. inexpensive. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand why he's doing it. And <clears throat> there's another uh, uh, event that I'm going to next month called Blog World, 
that is in Las Vegas. And I think that that's, it's just a more natural place. I mean, one of the problems I had was getting to Ontario after a day in Vancouver, then having to get back up here. And it just was very difficult to uh, schedule right. it. So. Right. Well, anyway, congratulations. I'm glad you won. And uh, it sounds like it was a great event. It was absolutely worth doing. And again, I thank our listeners. Actually, when I when I went up to the front to accept the award, I that's what I said. I said, you know, I I owe this to our listeners who made this happen for us you bet. Um, when we found out this was happening. So they came through fast. <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, listeners. Well, congratulations. Now, this week, we're going to do something called what is it? Roaming Roman, authentication. Roman authentication. Is this authentication you would get in Rome? <laughs> Roman. Well, it. It's interesting. It's something we've never done before, but there will be some opportunities in the le- in the next year or so for me to include our listeners in my own development of some new technologies. Mm-hmm. And and we we know that we spoke a couple of weeks ago about GRC's e-commerce system. I sort of gave people our listeners a look under the covers of the, the way I solved problems for GRC, um, I'm still in this mode of, of sort of nailing down a bunch of loose ends. One of the things that I needed to provide um, Sue and Greg, my, my two employees, um, was the ability to connect to our e-commerce system in a secure fashion when they were away from home. Oh. So, so a VPN, uh, the, right? Well, no, as a matter of fact, um, and for a number of reasons, but but this will probably be a two-part series because the, it, it's. I think it'll be interesting, and it also allows us to leverage a lot of the things that we've been talking about. You know, we tend to talk about snippets of technology here and there, how these fundamental things work. We've never had an opportunity to look at s- using them to solve a, like a, a real world problem, oh. which is what I have done. And in the process, I came up with some interesting solutions that uh, that'll be fun to, to share with our listeners. So so this will be roaming authentication, which will be part one of I think it's going to be a, a two part podcast, which will 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 finish up week after next after next week's Q&A. Excellent. Excellent. Before we get to that, uh, do you have any um, errata? Uh, oh yeah, we've got some errata. One one really funky, weird thing is I just I had to mention it because we we're a, sh- a show about security. Um, our friend Mark Thompson of Analog X mm-hmm. um, has about sixty routers. That's six zero. <laughs> He's been literally collecting them from all over the place because. Uh-huh. For some, a project that he was working on for another company, he, want, he was yes, exactly okay. for 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 testing various types. He, he was he was developing some, sorry to say, some universal plug and play technology. It turns out that lots of routers don't do UPnP correctly, and also doing some NAT penetration work um, for for some 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 peer to peer stuff. Oh, excellent! So so consequently, he has all these routers. Well, he was he he was wrapping up some work and he discovered a bizarre router which is bizarre unfortunately in a worrisome fashion Uh-oh. this is a router from a company called hawking which i've actually heard of in fact i use their kvm in, at, at, at level three it's a very nice kvm i've used their um, uh, their uh, uh, antennas actually hawking antennas Yes. Yeah. So anyway, this this router model is the H two 
WR54G. Now, the, it's, the hardware version is Rev A, the boot code is Rev 1.0, and the runtime is version 1.08. This will be important for anyone who has one of these routers for the following reason. Mark was, was, was working with the router and doing some characterization. He's got this, this cool Wi-Fi um, signal um, uh, spectrum analyzer that, that, that shows him power levels and spectrums and so forth. And he was going through turning off the Wi-Fi on routers. And he, he, he switched off the, hawk, the Wi-Fi on the Hawking router using the regular administrative interface. And it didn't turn off. Um, mm. And, and he, he thought, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? So he, he disconnected the other router's power and made sure that this was the router he was talking to. And he turned the Wi-Fi back on. He had it set up with WPA security, and it was working normally. He disabled the Wi-Fi on the router. Well, the SSID changed to Venus, V-E-N-U-S. What? And, Just by itself? And it shut down security, but not the Wi-Fi. Oh. The router opened wide open. Oh, it's, that's with, a hack. With no security. Well, I mean, this is, you know, this is from the manufacturer. Yeah, somebody got into the firmware. I mean, that's what you would do. You would make it a known SSID, and you'd turn off all security. Uh, well, and the other thing is that apparently two other routers, one from StarTech and one from Edimax, E-D-D-I-M-A-X and StarTech, they look similar. Mark didn't test them specifically, but he's gotten very familiar with his 60 routers. Yeah. And the Hawking router, the StarTech, and the Edimax all look the same wow. from a you know from a management interface web browser page sort of standpoint. So I just wanted to raise a flag for any listeners who might have, again, this is the H2WR54G. This was hardware rev A, boot code 1.0, and runtime version 1.08. Wow. Um, I don't know that those are the latest. You'll want to, you'll want to, if you have this router, just be aware that you, it, you don't want to turn off the Wi-Fi, even if you're not using it. Maybe, you know, you want to wrap it in, aluminum foil and put it in a steel box um well unplugging you, it would probably be enough well unplug well yeah but you might still want to have a router oh i but see you, just don't, I you see. don't want a wireless router so anyway he, so this tr got triggered by tr attempting to turn off the wi-fi that's when it happened yes and what it did was and he you know he went back and forth and he verified it, he made sure what it did was it turned off security yeah. left the wi-fi on wow and and switched the ssid from what he had programmed to capital V, lowercase e-n-u-s, Venus. Wow, that is wild. So, that's just, just so bizarre that yeah. I wanted to share it with our listeners. Yeah. Did he ever contact Hawking about it? No, yes, you know, Mark, he's on to his next thing immediately. But, you know, he immediately phoned me. He says, you're not going to believe what I that's just a, found. That's a really weird. And, and this was out of the box fresh. I mean, it wasn't like he might have gotten it hacked by somebody. Nope, it was yeah. out of the box weird. fresh. Weird, weird. Yep. Next news item is there is on its way Windows XP Service Pack 3. Yes. Um, it's in beta now. 
it's got a whole bunch of fixes, something like 1,057 or something holy, fixes, which holy is, is really welcome because um, I don't know if you've set up XP recently, Leo, but if you put the – if you a lot set of hot XP, fixes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It, I mean, you put, you put in Service Pack 2, and that brings it down to like 84 yeah. or 85 yeah. patches. Yeah. And you've got to do it like five times. That is, you've got to patch. Oh, yeah, you've got to reboot. Then, reboot, 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 reboot. Because the patches have patches, yeah. and so the, you know you don't, you don't get the patches patched patched until you've got the patch patch in, and then it realizes, oh, there's a security oh. problem with, with, with the patch patch, and so it's got to patch that. So that'll be so nice to have a, a service pack three that brings XP, you know, a lot more up to. Uh, where we are today. Paul, Paul and I will be talking about this tomorrow on uh, Windows Weekly, but it's 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 my sense that it's just all the hot fixes rolled up. There's nothing else in it. Um, yeah, I've heard that there's a couple things that are the, 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 the one one blurb that seemed to be well informed said that they had backported a couple things from Vista, ah. but nothing major. Oh um, yeah, yeah, some, you'll be able to use the IE seven protected mode, I think. Yeah, I think there uh, were a few things. I remember that. That would be good to have. Yeah, also, yeah. also, I think they did something with their networking, came back from Vista, and also some um, kernel mode security stuff, like uh-huh. the crypto package was apparently uh, enhanced from, from Vista. So, you know, it's nice that the OS we actually all want to use, that is to say XP, um, is is getting some benefit from the OS that, you know, some of us have no choice but to use. Which is to say, Vista. I so. shiver a little bit when I hear about Vista's networking coming back to XP because one of the, probably the most common question I'm getting these days is people who've moved to Vista and then all of a sudden all their sharing and stuff stops working because Vista does everything so differently. It has that new control panel and it's just strange the way Vista works. And I, I guess it'll all work that way now. Well, they can't, but they certainly could. They would never be. Couldn't be as bad, uh, as, <laughs> bad as XP. They would never break XP yeah. by, by backporting something bad from vista i mean that microsoft just won't do that so well, it's not that it's bad it's just it's actually probably good it's more secure but uh it it, it causes all sorts of uh problems with uh, file oh, but, Leo, but if, it, if it breaks existing xp things that would be a that's catastrophe well that's no. true yeah you're right okay lastly um our our our, our friend at verisign labs the uh the PIP guy, Gary Crawl, and, and for Elaine's sake, that's spelled K-R-A-L-L, um, <laughs> he dropped us a note immediately after our our last episode. You may remember we did the dark side of OpenID. Yeah, yeah. And the, su- the subject of his note was, yes, I was listening. Because, <laughs> of course, you know, they're an OpenID provider yeah. that we've talked about extensively that, that is able to do the... Um, uh, both s- cell phone texting verification and also to use the the PayPal and Verisign's own hardware tokens, which is very cool. And he, um, I just I'm going to read his letter. Um, I invited him to be on the show, but he said, "Well, we don't. They don't let us get out of the lab very much." So, um, I, but he said he, he did want to bring these things to our attention. First of all, most importantly, he said we do not recycle user IDs. For the exact reason you state in your podcast, right, right. if we released an open ID identity that a, that another user could that that someone had had, then another user could masquerade as that previous user. Right. One, once created, the account is then frozen and never released. So 
this is, again, another benefit for using these guys. If it's true, and I don't know that it's true, that any OpenID providers are recycling user IDs. Remember, that there were some anti-OpenID blogs that I ran across that claimed that some large um, OpenID identity providers were recycling IDs. That's a very bad ID. Uh, idea, uh, the, <laughs> idea. <laughs> very bad ID. These guys do not, you know, VeriSign Labs does not do that. Okay. Then, 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 then his second point, which is, I'm curious to know if you've tried our seatbelt product. And of course, we know Leo. I that, have it. I'm using you, it. You have. Yeah. And it says, in addition to supporting our Open ID provider, we also support eight others, oh. which I did not know. He said two in Korea, one in Germany. He says the UI has been translated into Korean, German, and French for use on those systems. And he says, if you go to a relying party that is someone that you are wanting to authenticate to and you are not logged into the PIP, we detect this when the request comes into us. And when the redirect hits us, we display a very nondescript page with no external linking, etc., that says you are not logged in. And in order to prevent phishing attacks, we require that the user must be first signed into the PIP before they sign into an open ID relying party. And he said, to Leo's point, this allows us to ensure that the user has logged in securely with us for in addition to having SSL throughout the site, we're also green bar enabled, as Gary put it, supporting oh, their great. extended verification uh, certificate. And he says, um, now how does... Um, seatbelt come into play. When you have it installed, we'll detect if you're signed into the PIP or not. When you bring focus to a text edit field on an OpenID relying party site, we bring up a blind which tells the user that they're not logged in and clicking on the button will cause them to be taken to the login page of, of the PIP. Once the user has signed in, which, if they have their token bound to, gives them even higher level of authentication, will redirect the browser back to the relying party site and will populate the OpenID URL of the user into the text edit as a form-filling function. So it automatically fills that in for you. So now, if you have Seatbelt installed, which is a Firefox extension, you don't even have to go through that process. It's, I just went to a participating site. It sees the Firefox plugin. It says... You want to use OpenID? I see your LeoLaporte.verisign.com. I click OK. I'm logged in. Yes, and th that's the beauty of Seatbelt. It's just it it's just automatic once you've logged into Seatbelt. Yes, and it, so I wanted to make the point that that this really does solve a lot of the phishing concerns. Mm -hmm. Certainly, everything is done with SSL, and these guys are never recycling OpenID user IDs. So, you know, those concerns that we brought up in, you know, from looking at the, at the dark side of OpenID um, have been dealt with by the VeriSign Labs guys. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. And I have one fun uh, and interesting new twist on uh, some Spinrite story from a, li a listener, Andrew Baker. His subject was a little premature. He said, Spinrite Halloween success story. <laughs> Halloween? <Not> he, said, <laughs> he said, hi, Steve. I have an interesting Spinrite story. I live right around the corner from you in Lake Forest, California. I have my own eBay consignment business, and I keep all my inventory at a local storage unit. I was about to throw out some trash, 
and the storage people stopped me to examine the trash for any electronics because someone earlier threw away, quote, three old computers, unquote. Wow. In a bit of a curious state, I asked if I could see them because if they worked, I could find them a home and would be happy to give them a finder's fee. They proceeded to show me three Pentium 4 shuttle-like PC machines, all with sticky notes on them saying, bad drive. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I see where this is going. He says, this is where the interesting part comes in. After paying the storage unit employee 50 bucks for all three questionable machines, I took them home and whipped out Spinrite. Spinrite fixed the drives and recovered the whole machine in every case. He says, although I was locked out without a Windows admin password. So I started typing in random common (laughs) passwords. After the second try, I got in. It was their username. Oh, dear. I thought it was comical. (laughs) Whoever was running this was an idiot. (laughs) Yeah, well. He says, I thought it was comical that Spinrite helped me get the discarded computer working and how then I was able to circumvent the password so easily. I'm an honest person, so I just wiped the drive. In any case, it shows how Spinrite works well, so don't let your non-working machine get into the wrong hands. There you go. Good advice. Wow. And they threw it out. Yep. They That's just said, well, these are bad, so, you know, I'm going to throw them away. That's and it turns out, true. I mean, just run Spinner on them, and, you know, not only are they back, but, of course, all of their data was then available. So it was good that Andrew is, uh, yeah. is an honest guy honest and just guy. wiped the rocks. Wow. All right. Hey, before we uh, get into our Roman authentication, I would like to mention the good folks at Astaro, our security a gateway sponsor. These guys are so cool, so neat. And the Astaro Security Gateway is absolutely something you ought to consider. If you're a smart IT professional and you want to get one gateway that does it all, this isn't just a firewall. Oh, no. Oh, no, my friends. Of course, you get the network protection, the firewall, the remote access, the intrusion detection, but you also get VPN over IPsec L2TP, over IPsec PT, PPTP tunneling with SSL, and you get web filtering, I mean content filtering, plus the antivirus for the web, anti-spyware. You can control instant messenger and peer-to-peer uh, tra- traffic on the network. And then you even get email security. That's two antiviruses scanning email, anti-phishing protection. Uh, you get transparent encryption, too. We've talked about this which I think is just such a neat way to do it. Your, your end users don't have to know anything about it, but they've got SMIME or OpenPGP encryption and decryption and digital signature on all email automatically. But that's just the beginning. The Astaro Security Gateway, it is a, a complete set of security technologies, best of breed in open source and commercial, very affordable. In fact, I want you to try one absolutely free in your business. Call 877-427-8276. That's 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, 877-4-A-S-T-A-R-O for a free demo in your office. And, of course, still for non-commercial, non-business users, there's that free download. Don't forget that at astaro.com slash security now. A great product from great people. It's really a must-have for your business. 877, the number 4, A-S-T-A-R-O, or visit A-S-T-A-R-O dot com. And we thank Astaro for supporting security now.
All right, you've got, here's the problem. Here's the situation. You've got employees off-site, and they need to log into the system. Yes, exactly. Now, normally uh, a business will set up a VPN to do that, right? Well, yes. A lot of businesses will use a VPN when they've got users roaming and they want to give them access to their corporate network. It's kind of a heavyweight solution. Well, and, and it turns out it's problematical. I was at dinner um, a couple of weeks ago, and it just happened that out of the blue, uh, two of the gals that, that were part of this group commented that they had been unable to connect to their corporate networks through their VPN. One happened to be at, at a hospital, and the hospital's network was hostile, apparently, to, to her doing that. And the other one was just, you know, somewhere where they were unable to connect. And so, you know, I wanted a, a robust solution. Um, I've seen problems, for example, even with OpenID. Um, OpenID is a, is a, is a routing-based approach, and if the network you're in happens to have the same address space as the network you want to connect to, there's no way for OpenID to know whether the packets are intending to stay local or, or be mm-hmm. routed over the VPN. Mm-hmm. So it turns out, I mean, I, you know, I mean I, I've, I've got some experience with OpenID, and I've run across all kinds of problems where, you know, nice as it is, there are situations which it's unable to deal with. But mostly, I didn't need to give Greg and Sue access to our corporate network. And in fact, I'd rather not from a security standpoint. That's, that's all much, almost too much power because, well, again, from a security standpoint, you never want to enable more, more access than is necessary. And, for example, the way our system operates, um, web access is all they need. The way we're set up now is that the our corporate network knows my network range um, where I am in, in my office at home, and it also knows um, Sue's router IP and Greg's router IP, which even though they use DHCP and technically the IP can change, if you don't ever turn off your router – that router tends to hold the IP from your provider. So the way our security functions now is, is, is very strong. Um, only connections from my network or Sue's IP or Greg's IP have the ability to bring up any of the management pages um, of our e-commerce system. So literally, you know, we, we know from having talked about um, spoofing in the past, there's no way to spoof an IP of a, of a TCP connection because you have to have a valid return address in order to accomplish this three-way handshaking in order to, to create a TCP connection. So, so given a situation where you've got fixed IPs, it's pretty easy to create strong security. You, you, you tell your firewall, allow connections in from, you know, TCP connections from this IP. Now, when their IPs change, for example, sometimes, you know, Greg will turn off his router to let it cool off or, or whatever, um, or, or if he's away for a, a long time or there's a power outage or something, it is possible to lose the IP, but they just give me a call or they send me a piece of email, and their email will contain the IP of their client 
at, at this time, which will be their router's IP, and I just edit a registry entry in our server, um, in our corporate um, uh, server array, and you know they're reauthorized. So, so I've solved the problem in a in a strong way as long as they stay home. But you know, Sue would like to take a vacation um, every so would. often, yeah, right? And 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 she has a need when she's away from home, like she's on vacation, to have access to the the management interface on our e-commerce system. For example, c- customers often will say, "Hey, I'm away from home. I'm you know on the East Coast. I live on the West Coast. Um, I desperately need access to my copy of Spinrite, but I don't have it." I didn't bring it with me, and I don't have my receipt that has our transaction ID. Could you look it up for me? So, you know, and we have all kinds of ability to do that, but only if Sue has access to the 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 management interface for our e-commerce system, which is tied currently tied to her IP. So, inherently, if she's out roaming around, she has no such access. So. So I, you know, I did look at, okay, you know, how about a VPN to, to her base station? That is, allow a, a VPN connection from wherever she is to her machine at home. Well, that requires that she keep the machine at home on during, you know, a, a, a week's vacation, for example. And that's not, you know, an insurmountable problem. But again, we still have the problem with uh, uh, current VPN technology being problematical. Um, and, you know, just to clarify, if she, the reason that that could work is if she were to VPN to home, then go from there back out onto the internet to GRC's network, GRC would see this connection as originating from her residential IP and would then authenticate. So, so, I mean, it's sort of a solution, but, and I looked at it for a while, but I decided, you know, that's, that's not what I want to do. I want to come up with something that that's absolutely robust and at the same time, absolutely secure. So the next thing I looked at was, was client certificates. That's a technology, again, that we've talked about before. You know, we've talked about the, the normal case where a browser has sort of generic certificates that it, that it uses for establishing SSL encrypted connections to servers. And so like, and, and we've talked about this, you know, the, the, the large and the growing number uh, in fact, a sort of a worrisome number of certificate authorities that are that are now being trusted by our browsers. And the idea there is that that the the web server uses a certificate to authenticate itself to the browser. Well, it's possible to give the client, that is the web browser, a certificate and sort of have it have it present its certificate to the web server as part of its its connection. So I looked at that for a couple days, and I decided, you know, that's got problems too. Um, it's it's a bit of a pain to administer. Uh, to administer, maybe if we were a big, huge organization and we wanted to have a certificate server that was going to be managing certificates and and have people coming and going. I could see that it would make sense, but it just sort of seemed like overkill for us. So I was I was looking for for something that would be 
um, simpler to use. So I, w- I fell back to the idea of using some cookies. Um, now, cookies are generally considered not secure, and for one reason is that they're that they are they're they're sort of a, a stock and trade with browsers and servers. It turns out though that it is quite possible to use cookies in a secure fashion. Um, there's an argument that you give to the um, to a cookie which is secure it was originally defined by Netscape. And all browsers honor this. The idea is that the if you flag a cookie with a secure tag, it will the browser will only offer it to the matching server if the connection has been secured. That that is over an SSL connection. So, just to 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 remind our listeners how cookies function, the idea is that a a web a web server is able to issue a browser a cookie and it does so by essentially tied to the web server's domain name such that any time the web browser is then is asking for resources from that server if the if it has matching cookies any cookies that match the domain of the server the browser offers them back just as as part of its identification process so it allows the server to to track the user as they move through the website basically giving them a tag so so that they're able to know that that this is the person on the site so so my my thinking was okay um falling back to this notion of secure authentication I wanted to uh, to essentially have a multi-factor authentication solution where we would have something that the user had and something that the user knew. So I wanted to uh, basically authenticate the laptop that Sue or Greg or myself, for that matter, would be roaming with. And... So the way to do that was to give the laptop a cookie which could not be sniffed. I was I was originally concerned about well what what if um they had a non-secure connection to GRC like looking at non-secured pages um would that disclose the the cookie because I wanted to absolutely make this non non-sniffable for security sake. Well that's where tagging the cookie with the secure flag comes in no browser will will disclose a secure tagged cookie which is very handy for this sort of purpose well, wait a minute mean- it has to disclose it to somebody it it'll disclose it only to the originating site well it 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 won't um you're right i'm i'm sorry i, I didn't explain that well it it will never it, it will never send the cookie back to the web server, even the issuing web server, oh. unless it's over an SSL connection. Uh, okay, I got it. Yeah, because the normal cookie policy is only send cookies back to the originating cookie setter. Exactly. So this adds the SSL to it. Yes, exactly. Um, it, it, if the if the server tags the cookie as secure, then that informs the browser never to never to send the cookie back 
unless it's over a secure connection with that server. So, so essentially what this makes the cookie is non-snoopable, non-sniffable. You do not need to worry then that somebody who is monitoring your, your traffic and sniffing the traffic would ever be able to get access to the cookie. SSL is a, is a good, strong, man-in-the-middle, snoo- uh, snooping-proof technology when, you know, when, when it's being used correctly. And we've talked about SSL proxying and, and the, the, the need for a proxy to have a, a certificate on the client in order to have permission to decrypt the session and then re-encrypt it. So, you know, of course, none of that would be in place. So it means that, that just using a cookie and flagging it as secure gives us a strong means for authenticating that machine. So, so in terms of the mechanics of this, the way I have it set up is if, if well, so the question is how do you plant the cookie on this laptop? Um, the only way that the laptop can receive this cookie is if it is at the, the recognized management IP address. So, for example, Sue has to have her laptop at home, and when she uses the laptop to go to um, these secure management interface pages at GRC, the, the, the server recognizes that it is getting a connection from her home IP and that the request for the, the management interface did not have this cookie present. So if the cookie's not present, it intercepts the request with a screen that comes up and says, hey, wait a second, this machine has neither been authorized nor deauthorized for future roaming access, meaning that we haven't told GRC one way or the other whether this machine should have roaming access in the future meaning that this cookie is not present, either saying yay or nay to if, if this machine is not at the management IP in the future, should it be a candidate for access to our network? So the idea is that, for example, if, if a visitor brought their machine to, to, to um, one of my employees' homes, and for some reason Sue used it to access GRC, it would see that this machine was contacting GRC from an authorized IP, that is, one of our known network IPs, which, which normally gives authorization, but that this machine does not have this special GRC roaming permission cookie. So, so an intercept page comes up and says, do you want this machine to have future roaming access? Well, if this was not her laptop, she would say no, well, that gives it a cookie that, that is a, a, similarly a, a, a secure version of this cookie whose value carried in the cookie says this machine is not – if this machine ever attempts to access GRC from another IP outside the authenticated IP, don't give it access. So, that, so that's just a clean way basically of identifying any machines which are ever at – the authenticated IP address um, 
to identify whether or not they should be able to have roaming access if they are subsequently not at an authenticated IP. So it has to be a machine that you've seen before and from an IP address you've seen before. Well, well, actually, yes, a machine you've seen before, which once was at, it was physically located at one of our authenticated IPs. And the person said, that is, you know, Greg or Sue or I, yes, I want to give this machine future roaming access. Ah, okay. So that so that allows so so that allows the machine to carry this cookie, which is flagged as secure, which will never be exposed, and anytime they're out they're out roaming around then and establish a secure connection to GRC, that that cookie resident on their machine will be sent back as part of the part of the the query to allow them to access GRC. And you could say that this cookie will never expire. Yes, in fact, it is. It is a non-expiring cookie. It is. Um, I think. Uh, I think I expire a non-expiring cookie in like the year twenty forty-seven or By something. Then who cares? Exactly. <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a whole different authentication <laughs> technology by then. So so okay. So we've we've solved part one of this problem. We've 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 basically you know the three of us have laptops by 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 using our laptop at, at our home base and going to the secure pages on GRC we're presented with the a dialogue saying do you want to allow this machine in the future if it's roaming outside of of these authorized IP ranges to have secure access to GRC we say yes that gives it a cookie a non-expiring cookie tagged as secure so essentially this identifies a a few machines that if they connect to grc not from an authorized ip range that they that they're candidates for having access to um our uh, the the um the privileged management interface now the problem is how do I prove that this is Sue or Greg or myself that is using the laptop? Because essentially, we, we and, and we've we've verified that this machine is authenticated. But again, you know, I want this to be as secure as possible. How do I prove that this is Sue or Greg or myself? Well, the next thing that you would expect is to use a password, and certainly many people. Have um, have gone to websites where you're prompted with a dialog box. It pops up and says, "You know, please enter your username and password for access to this site." Um, I could do that, except that we have the problem of of keyboard sniffing. We know that anything that they type into the keyboard could be captured. Now, you know, we certainly hope that our machines are virus-free, that there's no malware or Trojan on them, but we have seen situations, for example, um, in fact, I've, I've told a story in the past where um, where Sue got this, um, uh, the web searching, the cool web search, that's what oh, it was. The, yeah. the, yes, yes, it was the cool web search on her machine, you know, she, I mean, innocently went to some website that installed it on her version of IE, 
and it created a huge catastrophe. I mean, not that it was any big problem for us. We were able to get it off, but in removing it, it broke her connectivity. And I mean, it was, you know, your typical, you know, malware nightmare scenario. So, so we do know that it's theoretically possible for something bad to get onto our computers. And we also know that that something that's going to log keystrokes will will be paying attention when it's logging keystrokes to a secure site. It's like, "Ooh, you know, this is high value potentially. So let's log the keystrokes and the URL and go email them off to somewhere, you know, in Russia or Lithuania or China or somewhere and we'll let the we'll let the evil ones who receive this figure out what they want to do about it." So there's no way that that I'm going to allow, you know, anyone to be vulnerable to to known problems, and certainly keystroke logging is a known problem. So then I was thinking, okay, well, you know, we've been talking about authentication a lot. We've been talking about, um, you know, the VeriSign uh, and the PayPal dongles, and 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 using that. I um, I've never. Um, managed to get access yet to the API from Verisign. And I sort of for for GRC's purposes, I, I That's kinda shy overkill away. anyway, right? I, it's kinda well maybe. I, I just I, I shy away from depending upon any third party. Um, I have an acronym that that I've I've used. I, I shared it with you, Leo. Uh, a TNO is trust no one. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I like it because I just I didn't want to rely on any third party for for any reason. Um, I mean, there is, you know, these are the 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 keys to the kingdom. These are GRC's most precious jewels. And and I just, you know, I want control over this. So so I thought, OK, um, I need to come up with something where where even if everything bad that could possibly happen is happening, we are still secure. Meaning that even if there was keystroke logging software installed on one of these machines, that that monitoring the keystrokes is not a problem. So I thought, okay, that means some sort of a one-time something or other. So my first idea was to... To, to present us, the, the three of us, any of the three of us, when we want to establish a session to this management interface, to present us with some sort of a puzzle, something that, that we know how to solve that involves data that we're given, where like, you know, for example, we're given a jumble of numbers and letters, and there's a rule for how we take these and reorder them or sort them or or add up the digits and and do the alphabetic things in reverse order or something i mean the idea being something we know that when presented with a puzzle we uniquely have the ability to solve it and i thought well you know that way the server would present us with a puzzle and we would demonstrate we have the unique GRC knowledge of how to solve this puzzle by by entering in the result. It, we would never be given the same puzzle twice, so we would never be entering the same result. So even if something were watching us, then repeating that action, which of course is the danger with a keystroke logger, repeating that action 
would not work a second time. And my idea was that after we once solved the puzzle, then we would be given a session key, that is a session cookie, essentially. So we had the static cookie, which, and it's the presence of the static cookie saying this machine has been given permission to have roaming, potentially have roaming access. And the, the presence of that static cookie would then present the puzzle. If solved, we would then get a session cookie, which as long as the web browser is open, or for example, maybe if as long as we do something within an hour that keeps this session alive, otherwise it expires. And if we tried to use, again, the GRC management interface, we'd be presented with another puzzle to verify that, you know, we are still a GRC employee. Well, I thought about that for days, and I could not come up with anything that worked for me. I could not come up with, with any sort of a puzzle where if you saw the puzzle and you saw the result, it wasn't obvious how you got there. That is, you know, I just, again, I have to, you have to presume perfect knowledge on the part of the attacker. That is that the attacker will have something that is able to capture the web page and capture the keystrokes that are, are th- th- that result and basically have the same information that we have. And I, I you know, looking at this, and and you know doodling on paper for a couple of days i could not come up with something where i mean i had to admit to myself okay if someone said what's the relationship between these two things especially if you had several instances of that we, you know if this malware was installed and it was keeping a track of this you know where you look at three puzzles and the the respective answers where you couldn't easily yourself reverse engineer what the secret was well, I think you wouldn't get a job at Microsoft. How so? Well, because they do those puzzles. <laughs> that's, how, <laughs> that's what they do in the interview. They sit down and say, how much water is there on, in the world in gallons? And then, it, actually, they don't care what the answer is. They want to see your process. So they probably would watch your process right up to this point and say, you're great. But then you couldn't come up with the last piece of the puzzle. Well, I did, Leo. Oh, you see, you would get the job then. I <laughs> came up did. with something. But you're Very, not going to share it with us, are you? No, we're here 50 minutes in, and uh, <laughs> I know it. I'm, I'm going to leave our listeners with a cliffhanger. Oh. I, I have something that I really like a lot, which is it's very cool, and uh, it's a it's a slick system. Um, I've even uh, made the I, I've implemented it. I've written the software. Oh. I have a whole crypto system, oh. and I'm making it all available to the industry for free. But not yet. In two weeks, <laughs> we're going to find out about uh, this cool solution I came up with for for authentication, which is practical, which is usable for us. Um, I'm going to use it in a in a future uh, product of GRCs, and I'm hoping that making it available and open and uh, explaining how it works to our audience will encourage other people to use it. We will be talking about it in two weeks uh, and we'll, uh, we'll let our listeners uh, wait to learn about it. Aren't you coy? See, I knew this all along. I was just leading you on. 
Well, we'll find out in a little bit. I want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by the good folks at Nerds on Site. Nerds on Site. What a great group. This is a, this is a, uh, really, it's like a guild. Alex Lindsay uses that word guild, and that's what it is. It's kind of a, 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 a association of IT professionals in all different areas, PC, Mac, Cisco, Oracle, Fix-It technicians, website designers, programmers, project managers, sales and trainers, security experts, antivirus gurus, and more. They bond together to get business done. You're in business for yourself, you just not by yourself. Nerds on site lets you focus on your passion and not the burdens of running a business. They help you find work. Uh, they help you manage the business you've got. They even help you with answers. For instance, they got they have training in uh, uh, Spinrite. They have a, a, a license, a site license for Spinrite. They're training in a Star Security Gateway. You can, in fact, they they you can even become a certified a Star a consultant. They they realize that this kind of product is is important going forward. Uh, it's an amazing group, and I want to encourage you to get a become a part of it. Eight countries now: Canada, U.S., Mexico, England, Australia, South Africa, Bolivia, Singapore. 250 competencies in their University of Nerdology, so you can brush up your skills and add new skills. Everything ranging from systems, architecture to design to software development, on-site IT departments to desktop support, even Soho and residential IT services. If you're a nerd and you love working with people, go to www.iwanttobeanerd.com and register for a nerds-only meeting in your area today. Good people with a really great idea to make it possible for you to uh, still do what you love, but not have to work. I wish there were something like nerds on site for, for podcasters. Frankly, I could really use the help. I'm busy trying to figure out how to do all this business stuff when I just want to make new shows. Well, if that's how you feel, I want to be a nerd.com. And we thank nerds on site so much for supporting security now. If you are a security now fan, you can go back in time through all 100 and 12 shows, uh, transcripts, notes, and a lot more at stevesitegrc.com slash security now. He also has 16 kilobit versions for the bandwidth impaired. Makes it easy to download. And uh, our license encourages you to distribute this, send it to your friends. Uh, make sure everybody hears and gets the uh, important security news that we cover in this show each and every week. The best science and technology podcast in the world. <laughs> GRC.com is also a good site to go to for Shields Up. Steve's fantastic hard drive recovery and maintenance utility. For all of his free stuff, he gives away so much free security stuff, including Shields Up. Did I say Shields Up? I meant Spinrite in the last thing. Now I'm talking about Shields Up, which is a tester for your firewall or your router. Uh, he also does, oh, so many other great programs. And I sounds like he's got something new up his sleeve. GRC.com. Yep, I think our listeners are really going to get a kick out of this. Okay. I uh, I came up with a very nice solution that uh, is uh, well, it it answers my need absolutely, provides absolute, I mean flawless security that allows somebody to literally be looking over the shoulder of of my employees or myself to be monitoring our connection, and it won't help them at all. See, I, I like what uh, what I, I enjoy th- following your thought process because you really do think out of the box. And uh, while most people would just cobble together something existing, you like to do it from scratch. And so you, there's a lot of interesting ideas in there uh, about ways to do these things. You really think about it, which is really neat. So we'll find out more about that. Actually, next week we've got a mailbag episode uh, for 114 and then for 115. 
uh, we will find out more about Roman authentication. <laughs> Righto. I like it. Thank you, Steve. We'll see you next time. Security now.